Hey guys, welcome back. This is Courtsyhe, Courtsyhe.com, and today I am bringing back to you another podcast episode, or daily podcast episode. Every single day we're coming out with breaking news topics to talk about and everything else, and today we are stacked. Like, I mean, I'm going to bring out all the topics from Nate Brotchen to Mike Bullenholzer to Phoenix, Denver game tonight, Jokic, and everything else that is good. I got all here today. Gonna begin this hopefully within an hour. A lot of information, a lot that's on my mind, and I am pumped as I know you guys are. Pops are here. Basketball is been on fire lately. Trey Young, the villain, is here. He's living up to his role. Joel Beads getting comfortable after um, his knee injury. Devin Booker and the Suns are now the not no longer the underdogs, but the top dogs. Then we have everything else exploding. We have Bucks crumbling, Nets rising, and everything else. And I'm excited. I'm excited. But first, before we get to that, you know, you know the deal. If you're here every single day. Or wherever our day, it doesn't matter. If you listen to our podcast before, or sits here listening now, I gotta talk about it. I gotta talk about the sickest deal out there, the deal that's saving you money, but somehow giving you more perks. This is not clickbait. This is the truth and the own truth. And that is going to be our elite membership. Yes, you heard that correctly, our elite membership. But wait a minute, we have several memberships. And here we go. Here we go. So bring in the first one. We're, remember, we have all of these links from the one on the website. They are able to read all the content, even though you get on the form, to the one that's from the job form, where you're able to put everything in. Ease takes three minutes, and then Stripe will take the money. And you're able to pick your free options. But real quick, I want to get to these. First membership is going to be the silver membership. What the silver membership is, is it's two articles, two coupons, one newsletter, and commenting on posts per month. And that's real cool. So every other week, you will be getting two articles. I mean, one article every other week, two per month. Every time we send out a newsletter to you, you will be getting and receiving uh, tons of coupons, which will be two. But then we we'll may spice some more in as we're always updating, as we're always continuing to add more to these packages to make them worth your wild. Right? But that's what we have on a silver membership. But we're also throwing in some cool. For the first three days, it is free. First three days, it is free. And then after that, it's only two dollars a month. Look, we have that membership out there to give you options. If you're not, if you don't want content heavy, then don't go content heavy. That's why we have it there. But our elite membership, this is per month. This is four articles, four coupons, two newsletters, commenting on posts, and personalized emails. Meaning every single month. You will be getting four articles, one every single week. And let me just say this. You will be getting 48 articles per year. That's pretty amazing, especially for only $3. And this is a huge, huge deal. So many people have been raving about this, using this. This is what's making people an NBA insider. And this is what you should be taking advantage of. Plus, the newsletters are just so much better than ESPN's and anybody else's. Okay, one last thing I'd like to address before we jump into all this amazing news. And real quick, I might have cut it short, but the Elite membership is $3. Everything will be there in the links below. The way you're looking is on this on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube. Rumble, Daily Motion, even IGTV for Instagram TV. Um, if anybody ever watches those, um, but yeah, that is here. But real quick, since we're talking about social media and just different platforms that we're on, we're on tons of them. 
any single platform, any platform that you're on, whether it's social media or just getting your podcast from, we're on all of them. Just search us up on iTunes, Chords of Heat. Uh, you'll be able to find us there. Google Podcast, search of Chords of Heat. One word or two, either one will find us. Uh, SoundCloud.com. You can pretty much do SoundCloud.com slash Courtside Heat, and you'll be taken directly there. Or if you're in the app, I would just prefer you just looking this up by your name. One word or um, individual words is fine. You're still going to be able to find us, and it's going to be on top of the page. Social media. Social media is where it gets really funny. So Instagram is the only one that we do with Courtside Heat NBA with NBA at the end of our t- social media handle, right? So Instagram is going to be Instagram.com slash Courtside Heat NBA, Twitter.com slash Courtside Heat, Tumblr.com slash Courtside Heat, Instagram.com slash Courtside NBA. I just contradicted myself. Um, Rumble.com slash Courtside Heat, YouTube.com slash Courtside Heat. Or since that's not working right now, just look it up. Look us up on YouTube. Just look us up in the search bar on YouTube, and boom. Uh, you could do one word or um, individual like court, um, and spaces in between our company's name. But yeah, basically we have every single social media uh, handle out there. We're on every single platform, and I forget about a lot of them because we have so much. Updated every single hour of the day seems like where you're never missing a piece of news, where it's breaking news, or when it was during a trade deadline when we had all those trades, injuries, um, cool pieces, long form, short forms, articles, and everything else. We even take polls. We do everything else that's interactive too. Okay, I'm pretty excited about this, but how I want to start this out. It's talking about the breaking news. First of all, I want to talk about Nikhil Jokic. And everybody should already heard the news about Jordan Clarkson, who a few weeks ago won the six-man year award. And then Tom Thibodeau, who beat Monty Williams out um, for the Coach of the Year award. That's made his second Coach of the Year award for this season. Over his career, and he actually created history for being the only head coach in NBA history to win two championships in your first. Uh, I'm sorry, to win two coach coach year awards in your first year in two different franchises. So that's really cool. Now Jokic. Oh, I forgot. Julius Randle won most uh, most improved player of the year award. He won. I think. Was that like a month ago? It was a few weeks ago. Can't remember. But yeah. Um, so now we have Jokic. Nikhil Jokic almost won this anonymously. He almost won this from the very beginning. Because he had gotten a 91 first place votes for Jokic to win the 2020-2021 NBA MVP it wasn't even a contest with Joel B because Joel B only got two first place votes. Um, Derrick Rose got one vote. That was really bad. But hey, at least Derrick Rose got one. Chris Paul got two. Um, I think if I look back on that, was it? Yeah, so then Curry got five. Giannis got one. And Bede got one. Jokic, yeah, Jokic looked very dominant. Everybody from the beginning was calling him MVP. Denver recognized it. Players were recognizing it. Experts were recognizing it. And, yeah, he just took MVP form, showing up when needed. I'm going to pull up his stat sheet real quick, just for this season. Because a major transformation from 2009 till current day now. Right? So, here's his stats for this season. 26 points, 50%, uh, 56% shooting from the field, 10 rebounds, and 8 assists. He has been making high reel after high reel on his passing and shooting. He could take three-pointers 
Um, he can take mid-range shots. He can drive. His defense is good. But what really stands out to people is his passing. His passing is what makes people uh, drop their jaws, lose their minds. It's just like, whoa, this center, this big guy over here, this big man, is just creating havoc because he's staying there. He does behind-the-head passes. He does in-between-the-leg passes, sharp passes. He does everything you would think that a point guard does, a shooting guard does. It's really incredible what his skill set has evolved from. For in 2019, when Kobe said that he needs to win MVP, to now, over that two-year transformation was incredible. So, I actually picked Jokic to win MVP. I like Jokic. I like to see what he can do next year in the playoffs because he's going up against my Phoenix Suns. And personally, I don't want him to beat him as Phoenix are at one nothing. But we'll get to that topic in a little bit. But congrats again to Jokic. That's huge, especially for his career from being a guy that many people called overweight and just too um. Like just overweight, then one point two skinny, non-athletic. He has proved all of them wrong. Got in the best shape of his career and has put together MVP season. So really cool. And it's also really cool to see that I forgot. I forget sometimes that he's been with Denver since twenty fifteen, and you can just tell in each season he's gone up. Like, from 2015 to now, he's gone 9, 16, 18, 20, 19, excuse me, 26 points per season up until now. And that's just incredible. That's huge. He has evolved since 2015, and Denver has a bright future under Nikhil Jokic and Jamal Murray. And even Aaron Gordon, if he stays, that could actually be something. We'll talk about that in a little bit too. As don't forget, tonight's only game is Phoenix against Denver. And here's the thing: I don't know what to do for my with myself. This past week, there's been like five games on consistently, like every other day seems like. But now it's only like going to one to two games, and that's just like, that's just like um, uh, I don't know like what the right word would be. But it's just like, it's weird not seeing tons of games on and only seeing one game on for today or two yesterday. So I always expect more, but when I see the games being played today, I'm like, oh, light load. But even with five games, that's a light load. But yeah, so Jokic won MVP. Tom Thibodeau won Coach of the Year. Now I think we're waiting on Defensive Player of the Year, which... Rudy Gobert is looking strong at, in my opinion. And I sent it to you, a rookie of the year, which Lamelo Ball is looking really good in. Because I know those two awards have not come out yet. Okay. Um, so we started with the great news. And that's phenomenal news. Now we're going to go to something that's more um, heart-shattering. And it's not the worst thing in the world, but for the Hawks, it may be. And that's where the Andre Hunter, yes, that's um, the Hawks starting uh, player alongside John Collins and Trey Young, who DeAndre Hunter has been playing very well in this season, making an impact uh, alongside, um, I'm sorry, well, what's his name? Trey Young and John Collins. When he's playing this season, he has. Dead on 15 points and 48% from the field. That's that's actually really good. However, um, DeAndre Hunter is set to miss the rest of the postseason due to knee surgery. Because it was just announced today that he had knee surgery to repair a torn lateral meniscus in his right knee. Wow. He was not as fortunate as Joel Embiid was with a meniscus tear. But separate injuries, but still really unfortunate for DeAndre Hunter because he looked good in his postseason alongside with Young and Collins and Herter, especially for the minutes that he was getting. So putting a 15 per game on 48% shooting, um, that's, a, that's a good props. I'll give him props on that. 
it hurts the Hawks in, in a bad way because you're going against the 76ers and you need all the firepower in the world because I don't know why, but now the 76ers have now something in Seth Curry and Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris and Seth Curry in the closeout game against the Wizards played lights out. Curry somehow racked up 30 points. Harris 27. I'm scratching my head. Seth Curry was never this good, but somehow he's turning it on now. Like, he's slip, flipping the switch and activating beast mode. And he did that last game, too. Meaning, not 30 points, but he was still getting high numbers. Especially, that's huge numbers in comparison to his other career averages and year averages and whatnot. But yeah, that is not good. That's going to miss the rest of the postseason. And now that's another guy down that's not going to be able to help in the firepower against the 76ers. But good news, the series is tied 1-1. So it's not like this sun death. Like It's not like they're down 2-0. They can't go down 3-0. No, it's tied 1-1. Omar Manchin, I believe they go back to Atlanta. Let me check that real quick because I seem to go to Atlanta. Because uh, the first two games were played in Philly. Yeah, oh yeah, I was right. So game three and four will go to the Hawks. So at least you have home court advantage, and at least you're able to have the fans back behind you and rallying you to give you extra momentum and firepower. Okay, I'm going to botch this last name, as I probably did in the opening minutes of this podcast episode, but Nate Brogdon, I know how to pronounce Nate. Brogdon. Brogdon? Yeah, I'm going to go Brogdon. I'm just going to call him Nate. So, Nate was fired as the Pacers head coach, who was hired last year of October 20, 2020. Not even a full year on his three-year contract, and they're already done. He was the guy that everybody was like, Yes, he's going to be Nate McMillan's replacement. Instead of being assistant head coach, he's going to be real head coach. Sign to a free-year deal and see what he can do with Miles Turner in that team. And the Pacers actually had a really good lineup, too. Um, um, real quick, let me just look at their roster. Yeah, they have Sabonis, Karis Avert, Miles Turner, uh, Malcolm Brogdich, TJ Warner, I'm not TJ McCollin. They had guys, right? They had good guys. and They had great guys, good guys, and okay guys, right? Every roster is going to have that. But now you add uh, Nate into the pool of head coaches and assistant head coaches that want to become one of the head coaches of these four teams, which now the Pacers add themselves with. It will be the Pacers. Celtics, oh, don't do this to me. Pacers, Celtics, Blazers, Wizards, and man, who's that other team? Because I know there's four teams. I'm I'm looking this up right now because I I can't do this to myself. Um, yeah, it would be Celtics, Pacers, um, Trailblazers, oh, and the Wizards. Never mind, okay. Yeah, yeah, But here, yeah, so that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough on how everybody wants to film because the main guys right now, well, let me back up real quick. Um, everybody maybe scratch their heads on where Atlanta's at because they don't have uh, Lloyd Pierce anymore who actually did nothing for the Hawks. I don't know why I can't stand Lloyd Pierce, but now that Nate McMillan's actually taken the Hawks to a playoff in the second round, making a playoff contention team, that actually infuriated me because now someone's using Trey Young's talents to benefit a team, right? So you now add Lloyd Pierce into that. You have all these different head coaches, all these different teams, but what about the Hawks? The Hawks... Even with interim head coach Sam Millen, believes strongly that both sides are rumored to get a deal done when the puffs are over. Yeah, so when the puffs are over, both sides speculate that they get a deal done and they can make Nate McMillan their long-term head coach. For a few years, I don't know. 
I would suspect that he would get a three-year contract, maybe two to five years. That's in my range of what I would give him because Nate, Nate McMillan is such a good head coach. I I would hate for the Hawks not to be able to get a deal done with him because he was a former player. He does get it. He can do great player development. He knows how to work offense and defense, and it's being shown right here, right now. Since we're talking about head coaches and everything else that's going on, oh boy, let's talk about the Bucks and Mike Boonholzer. If no one knows who Mike Boonholzer is, that is their head coach and a disappointing head coach. He's not the world's worst head coach. I believe he won a coach of the year. But here's the, here's the truth be told. Uh, his time. And everybody, like when I'm talking on my Twitter account especially. When I say that we, because I just post something now about that. That we confirm the demise of Mike Boonholzer's coming. We're not kidding. Like we're not kidding when we put that out. Mike Boonholzer may no longer be the Bucks head coach, all the way down to nothing in this pop series against the Nets, who the Nets should be going um, close, close to the Bucks, where the Bucks should make this a little more interesting, right? And not because, okay, last game in game two, it was a huge blow. You lost by 30-plus. And didn't have a good showing. Mike Boonholzer gave up on his team. Giannis gave up on his team. Everybody gave up on that team and where they were at. When they cut down to 17, I don't care more in the second half, right? They decided to let that go to 30. Kevin Durant had a, had a field day. He was running uh, havoc, running rampage. Same with Kyrie. Um, again, no James Harden. Um, real quick, getting off the top of my burn hole since we're talking about the Nets. Uh, Nets will be without Jeff Green and James Harden again come game three. They know Jeff Green will play somewhere um, in this series, but we do not know about James Harden, and he's just considered day-to-day. But back to Mike Boonholzer. If you lose in Milwaukee, what does that say? Because you could say, oh, it was the Barkley Center. Oh, this and that. Uh, we didn't have our fans with us today. We were just mentally and physically out of it. I-, I get that to a certain extent. But here's the thing. You have Giannis. You have the Greek freak. And you have everything. You have Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton. You once had Dante DiVincenzo. But please do not blame it on that. Because... Because that's not the root of the issue here, and I beg you not do that. Because here's the thing. If Mike... No, I'm, I'm sorry. If, wait, Mike Boonholzer? Yeah, Mike Boonholzer. If Boonholzer was as good a good of a coach as he was, and Giannis is such the uh, player he is, why are they failing against the Nets? Who the Nets have their own issues, and James Harden not wanting to be fit, Kevin Durant trying to be a ball hawk, Kyrie being Kyrie, Steve Nash trying to control everything, Mike D'Antoni trying to be assistant. They have their own injuries, their own problems. If you have a back-to-back MVP player who won MVP back-to-back, why is he not taking his team over? But mainly, why do you have a coach of the year uh, type coach? Why do you have a coach of uh, why do you have a coach of the year uh, head coaching your team and Mike Boozer, Bo- uh, I'm sorry, Mike Bo- Budenholzer, and not able to take it over? The, I, will never, I will never reject. I'll always admit the fact. The Milwaukee Bucks are regular season champs. They'll do it. They'll dance. They'll dance in the regular season. They'll always put up a good fight in the regular season. And do you see the repetition I'm doing in regular season? Why I'm doing that is, is because they're not a playoff team. If Giannis is as good 
as he claims to be, and as all of these NBA experts claim to be, and if Mike and if Mike Budenholzer claims to be as good as, pardon me, as they claim to be, then why? Then why are they still losing? Like why? Why are they not able to take over? We go back to last year. We go back to two years. Mike D'Antoni is just not good. And there comes a point where you have to say to yourself, what are we getting into? Because here, let me just tell you this. Not even looking at this series, not looking at this series. I'm going to go back to 2019. They lost in the conference semis. Oh, no. They did that round two, which we're at. Last season, they made it to the conference finals, lost to the Forts of the Raptors. 2017, opened a round against the Celtics. They lost. 2016, lost in the open round to the Fort to the Raptors. Didn't make it 2015. Didn't make it 2014. Giannis was starting to develop. But Mike Budenholzer has to do something to get a grip on this team. I'm not kidding. He's been with this team since 2013. And you're telling me he hasn't made it past the conference semifinals? And you're telling me he's not made it past the conference championship round? And I'm not even going to count against the Raptors. Why? Because the Raptors are better. And trust me, Nick Nurse is a better head coach than Mike Dunholzer. Kawhi Leonard's a better player than Giannis. Giannis can help all the talent in the world. Doesn't mean he's uh, utilizing it correctly. Why? Because he has a poor head coach. If you have the right head coach, the right system, the right, fu- um, the right structure with the right players. He has the right players. But wrong structure, wrong system, wrong scheme, wrong everything in Mike Boonholzer. But you're telling me Mike Boonholzer is, is failing? You're kidding. You're kidding. We're, we're, we're kidding ourselves right now. And he's only, and let me tell you this. 2013, he was with five seasons with five seasons with Atlanta. He couldn't do his thing. But now you go down to Milwaukee. Mike Boonholzer, even in Atlanta, wasn't good. Mike Boonholzer in Milwaukee's not even good. Sure, he's had every single winning season with Milwaukee since 2018. Since 2018, okay. Yay, we've made it to the playoffs. Hey, it's great that you have a superstar in Giannis, a great player in Chris Middleton, and a good player in Drew Holiday, but you're telling me that you're losing so bad to the net that Mike Boonholzer doesn't actually want to do anything? He quit in game two. He didn't fly coaching anymore. If you saw him on the sidelines, it was pathetic. If you saw the Bucks players, it was pathetic. It was like they were just having free shots. No one's playing defense for the Bucks. Mike Boonholzer did not want to correct it after the second half. It, it was bad. But let me tell you this. I'll give Mike Boonholzer this. He's a great he's a great head coach for the regular season. And this relies on Giannis too. This is not just me saying this so, falls solely upon Mike Budenholzer. But let me just say this. Mike Budenholzer do, didn't do anything with Giannis, right? Mike Budenholzer didn't do anything with the box. It was Jason Kidd. It was Jason Kidd. It was him who is a player development mastermind, took Giannis, made him into a superstar, um, exploded him into talent, um, into talent, 
and skillful player that he is today. If there's no Jason Kidd involved with the development of Giannis, in the development of what that roster was, he took a scrawny Giannis and turned him into a superstar athletic Giannis. And what? And what? It, it, it didn't cost the Milwaukee Bucks anything. Giannis, when the fall was happening between Jason Kidd and the Milwaukee Bucks, and of course Mike Boonholzer had to stir himself into the conversation, he didn't want him to go. Why? Because everybody realized Jason Kidd was the guy. Jason Kidd is the guy. He's always been the guy. He took a scrawny Giannis and turned into a superstar. Mike Boonholzer couldn't even do that in his sleep. Mike Boonholzer in the perfect world could never do that. Because he's not capable of doing that. But Jason Kidd is. Jason Kidd did everything correct. He just did. He just did. And... The problem that we have here is the fact that every that everybody's trying to say, well, um, Mike Boonholzer is a great head coach. Look at Mike Boonholzer. Look at Mike Boonholzer in the regular season. Oh, look at him striving in the playoffs. It's okay. We'll be there next time. The Bucks will always be in the top five seed in their conference. Why? They're a great regular season team. They just don't know how to play basketball in the playoffs because they don't know how to adapt. Mike Boonholzer doesn't know how to adapt. It just never had. When the going gets tough and they're down, like they did against the Raptors, when they had Kawhi, Fred Van Fleet, Pascal Siakam, uh, Sergi Baca, they were afraid. They were cowards. Mike Boonholzer couldn't do anything. Mike Boonholzer gave up. Nick Nurse, a first-year head coach, won the NBA Finals with Kawhi. And you're telling me um, a six-year head coach or a four- to six-year head coach, I can't remember the exact year, and Mike Boonholzer with a skillful Giannis can't even do anything, can't force a game seven? You're 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 kidding. You're kidding. Please tell me. Tell me tell me I'm wrong. Like tell me that that's not happening. Like I'm going to go back to that series and that series was I'm looking at it right now, don't you worry. Oh, look at that. Um Kawhi was down t- two nothing to the Bucks. They blew the last, they blew the past four. So four of six games. Um, Kawhi's team, Nick Nurse's team won. Why? Because Mike Boonholzer was too arrogant and confident to realize what the severity was. They didn't have just Fred Van Fleet. You would have been okay. But they had Kawhi Leonard. And they didn't. And Mike Boonholzer saw. Oh, we're up to nothing. We're just gonna go over there. Even if we drop a game to Toronto, it doesn't matter. We'll be fine. Wow, you showed us by dropping the next four. You can tell you won when you beat the Pistons in a sweep. You can tell you won when you beat the Celtics four one. But when you actually face a good team, and the Celtics are a great team. But they're not Kawhi Leonard style. They're not Fred Van Fleet style. They're not Siakam style. They're not Ibaka style. I'm sorry. That's a level of embarrassment. And I thought they would have gotten better. But no. In the next season, they got they got booted. They got jousted by the Celtics. You couldn't win a game seven against the Celtics. When the going gets tough, Mike Boonholzer quits and can't find an answer, and Giannis is left with no one. That's it. That's the story. That's the story. That, then that's the end of the story right there. This is solely upon Giannis's and Mike Boonholzer's shoulders. Tell me what I'm wrong. 2018 in recent memory, you're telling me to be an experienced head coach? 
with more than five years under your belt, you've seen it all and you can't do a thing against a first-year head coach with a, with a Kawhi Leonard that had good pieces around him, but you have a Giannis and a Bledsoe, a good Bledsoe on your team that time, and you still couldn't do anything, that's poor management, that's poor coaching. And Giannis just did all he could, but he had no other help. And even during that series, Boo and Holzer was like, oh, okay, whatever. It's frustrating. It's frustrating because you can say, oh, well, we made it to the conference finals. I like to see someone else do that. Then the next year, you got um, Joust in the first first year. Um, yeah, um, sorry, in the second year, you got Joust in the second round. Second round, But you lost 4-1 to the Heat. I don't care what you do to the Magic. When you beat the Magic 4-1, this was in the NBA, but the Magic were horrible. Eric Gordon didn't want to be there, but he still played out. Still played out. But the Magic didn't have anyone besides Vujovic and Gordon. Please. And you had Martel Fultz. Oh, boy. Look at Martel Fultz go. What an athlete. He He's not. Really? Really? Yeah, okay, it's easy to beat the uh, Pistons. It's easy to beat the Magic. It's easy to beat the Celtics back then in the NBA bubble like two years prior. It's easy to do all of that. Anybody can do that. Even the Pistons have done it. Even Stan Van Gundy's team has done that. But we have to congratulate that. But in the second but in the second round of conference semis, you lost four to one. Why? Because the Heat were a better team than you. And I, I hate to break this, but Eric Spolstra is a better head coach than Mike Boonholzer. Always has been, always will be. It, it's, it, it'll be undeniable, always proven, because Mike Boonholzer fell right into Giannis thanks to Jason Kidd, and he fell into Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. And that's pretty much it. So they're a great regular season team. But in the playoffs, they bite. They just do. They just do. I've never heard anybody say, Oh, there goes the Bucks. I guess we can't stop them in the playoffs. The only time that happened was when Kawhi was down 2 nothing. Kawhi's like, yeah, no. Uh, we're gonna beat these people. we're just gonna beat these guys right here, right now. That was the mentality. Um the Heat weren't scared of you in the bubble. But then you had a retribution for the Heat. But you also got to remember, Heat wasn't really a good team. Even with the same roster this time, they just got exposed. Because the bubble helped a lot of people. Like the playing tournament did this season. So fine. You get, sw- you get swept. You swept the Heat. Fine. Why can't you beat the Nets? I know. Because Giannis can't do anything on his own to defend the likes of Katie, Harden, or Irving. Mainly Katie and Irving. You're telling me Mike Boonholz can't draw someone them for uh, DiVincenzo when they had him? For Middleton now? For Holiday now? For Lopez now? Lopez is playing better and having a better impact than some of their starters. But let's just remember... This is Mike Bonehoser's team, and hey, they're a great regular season team. That's all they are. They can't play defense. When has anybody ever said, look at Mike Bonehoser's team play better defense? When's that ever worked? That's never worked. That's never worked. And it never will work. Because if the only time it does work is when he falls backwards into that and like, whoa, how do we do that? How did we do that? Okay, let's keep it rolling. And he fades. No one puts him in any conversation into a good head coach. Everybody said Nick Nurse was better than Mike Boonholzer. This is a former G League head coach going up against a five-year head coach. Wow. Shocker. 
Um, it, it, it just shows, goes to show, they can't play defense. And this is just going off of this series and what I've seen from prior memory. They can't play defense. Um, they don't go up strong. Or, I don't think the aggression's on their side. The Giannis has always been that stat stuffer. Same with Middleton. Middleton has impact when needed. Um, Holiday. I don't know what Holiday's doing. But if you think, if you're a good head coach, you'll pull these guys aside and say, hey, this is a wake-up call, and you tell them what the wake-up call is going to be. But no, they got too relaxed. They got too arrogant and confident against the Heat, against the sorry Heat. And... Now they're paying for it. They're paying for their penalties. They're paying for everything. And it's coming down on them like you never believed it before. I took the Nets and seven each of my free brackets before the pause, after game one, after game two of the first round. I said, oh, I'm going to take the Nets and seven. It's going to be very competitive. I forgot I was dealing with Mike, with Mike Boonholzer. I forgot I was dealing with the sad Knicks. I'm sorry, the sad box. The sad box. Who couldn't beat Kawhi Leonard after winning two games. I forgot I was dealing with the sad box of 20 of the NBA bubble. I forgot I was dealing with the sad box that when the going gets tough and they're not getting what they want, they crumble. Just puts peer pressure. So now I taking the net. I'm taking the net soon. And let me be very clear: if the Bucks don't switch it here, get into a different mode, try to get lucky with this thing and try to win. Oh, it's over. Oh, it's over. And I can guarantee that. I can promise that because they're gonna say, "What's Boonholzer done with us for four years?" He's going to be on the hot seat because if they lose in Milwaukee this upcoming game in the next few days and they say, oh, well, we didn't, well, we didn't do well. Well, um, we're down, we're down free nothing. It's over. It's over. I'm not saying it's not a pro. I'm not saying it's impossible to come back. I'm just saying they go free nothing. There's going to be a lot of concerns, a lot of what ifs now. And then we can see a Jason Kidd Milwaukee reunion. Not saying that's going to happen, but just saying it's going to be always be on the table. And Mike Boonholzer is going to be out of that position faster than you can do anything else. Because Mike Boonholzer is being exposed for what he is. Giannis is being exposed for what he is. And his Bucks team is just being exposed for having to go up against someone good. But maybe we can fall into something. I, I don't know. But yeah, it's utter embarrassment. It's not good and it just shows the level of unfocusedness and a level of non discipline that these that this team has under Mike Boonholzer. The Nets get things done. The Bucks they prolong their death and try to make up excuses. Come on. This is where you were before. Two years ago. The year before the NBA bubble. You were facing a first year head coach. And now you're doing it again. But this time it's against a player. Steve Nash. Come on. If if you know how to run a team. It's going to be that hard. You will not be losing by blowouts each and every game. It's not. It, it, it hurts. Hurts to say it because you want you want the Bucks to succeed, but not under Mike Boonholzer because he just doesn't know how to run his job anymore. He just doesn't. And it's finally catching up to him in these post games. He's an expert somehow in the regular season. He fell back in that one. But now he's just crumbling. It's always been that way for Milwaukee. I've never seen a time when Milwaukee's ever won anything. But yeah, but yeah, that's um, but yeah, that's where I'm at. So his job security, his job security is no longer there. 
his job's on the line. If they don't fire him this season, it's going to be next season. Because he, he keeps repeating the same old stuff. He never changes up his mentality. Never changes up his scheme. Because, well, okay, fine. Even if he denies that, says, well, I changed up everything. That means your lack of execution and trying to put more effort into things are killing you. So, he's done nothing to change his ways from two years last year to now. And it's killing him. It's killing his team. It's affecting the mindset of Giannis. It's affecting the mindset of all these young, of all these young players, these veterans, and everyone else in between. And it's being shown. So if they lose this series in five games, or it's being swept, you can kiss his job and buy this season or next. He'll be out. He'll be in the head coaches, assistant coaches pull of who. Or where they're going to be going next. Where college or staying in the pros. Or going internationally. But that is that on that topic. <sighs> that was That's pretty frustrating. Mike Boonholzer. I want him out. So he's out of Milwaukee. His job security is gone. It was gone the moment that they lost game two. Finally. The only game that's going on tonight. Tonight, we have a special night and a night that I'm pumped up for. A night that I want to see the Phoenix Suns rise. Well, I want to see them rise, but there will be challenges. And I'm going to get to that right here. But real quick, I just want to say, this is the only game today, but then tomorrow, we're going to break down Bucks, Nets, Clippers, uh, Jazz, and things like that. And then, yeah, take it from there. So, let's jump into it. Nuggets at Phoenix. Nuggets against the Suns. At Talking Stick Resort. Boy, oh boy, what a matchup this is going to be today. This is the last game. And Phoenix for the two-game run until they go down to Denver for game three and four. Until we go back for the Phoenix for game five. Game six at Denver. Game seven at... Sons. We started with the home court advantage. You always want to win game one and four. They already won 50% of that task. The Suns are already one now. And let me just say, the Suns, that game never felt like the Suns were having the lead. We were losing down by double digits. By double digits, whether it be 10 or 15 points, we were always crawling back to it. The fans kept us into it. We locked in the second half. But the first half, oh, we were getting beaten. We were getting beaten hard by the Denver Nuggets. Like Michael Porter Jr., he was going off. He wasn't missing. You have him hitting contested shots like three-pointers, dunking it, putting it in the mid-range, getting those uh, set shots in two. He was getting everything done. Um, Aaron Gordon was hitting stuff. Uh, Jokic, he didn't look good in the entire game. He looked gassed in the first, first quarter, but first quarter was his best showing by far, in my opinion. That's why I saw, oh, oh boy, we're losing. What's happening? What's wrong with Paul? What's happening with Booker? DeAndre Ayn, what's happening with Bridges, Payne? Different things like that. And I am going to freak out. Like, I'm not kidding. If Cameron Payne puts up one shot tonight and he misses, like that's all he does. If he goes out of control again, I'm going to freak out. Um, I'll get that to that in a minute. But last game, definitely again the second half. The first half was not ours. We realized that. But with Monty Williams, who's the true coach of the year, who put a better, who just put up better, who executed better this season. Who turned around a Phoenix Suns team who hasn't made it to the playoffs in a, in a decade? Who Monty Williams just won his first playoff series um, in his career? Who turned around the Suns? I don't know when the last time they won a playoff series. It was probably like in 1993 when they were going to the NBA Finals against the Chicago Bulls, right? Um, but yeah. The Suns, not a good first half. That was dominated by the Nuggets. 
Just, I always kept saying, if the Nuggets connected more on their three-point shots, their two-point shots, didn't pull up bad turnovers, didn't miss some free throws, didn't do this. If they would have capitalized on all of that, that lead would have expanded 20, 25, or potentially 30. And we could have had a different second half. We could have had a different outcome of the game. However, however, we came back in the second half. The Andre A looked like a monster. Devin Booker was hitting shots that returned to his form like when he closed out uh, LeBron's uh, Lakers. And he's returned to that form. He returned to that form. Let me pull, let me pull up the stats on that. Because this is, this is pretty significant, right? Let me... Oh, can I not? Can I not? Uh, please. We won 122-105, to 105, but it didn't feel like a blowout. Denver and Phoenix tied 28 apiece at the first. Then Denver took the lead. But then third and fourth quarter, it was ours. It was ours. Booker put up 20. Uh, DeAndre and put up 20. Paul put up 21. Bridges put up 23. Crowder put up 14. But I don't care for the stats. Everybody, everybody from the fans to the coaching staff to the players, everyone, everyone rocking that stadium was a game impactor, was a shot impactor, was a momentum impactor, was an everything impactor. From the beginning of the game to the final ticks on the clock. Not even kidding. First half was not ours, but second half was because DeAndre Ayan was getting the post more. Alley-oops were going to him. He was slamming it down. Cameron Payne, I don't know how he didn't fumble that one. Um, Devin Booker was hitting good three-point shots. Chris Paul hit a clutch contested three-point shot that turned to a four-point play. Crowder hit a four-point play. He was hitting some free. Big man was getting involved. Um, Booker, like I said, he was hitting stuff. Bridges hit some good freeze. Cam Johnson was working his way into it. Everybody was rock solid. We created less turnovers, more fast breaks. Uh, we kept getting good defensive breakdowns besides a few moments where we could have hurt us, like what was hurting in the first game. I'm going to get to... The negative stuff in a minute. I just want to break this down more because I'm excited. I'm excited how far we've been going. But we ran. Chris Paul hit two back-to-back clutch contested shots. Pull-up shots at a little bit inside the wing. Right at the free uh, free throw line. But, yeah, you had to be there. Everybody was tweeting. You had to be there in the stadium. Every time the cameras cut, Phoenix Suns fans were just freaking out. Everyone was getting involved. We did, we couldn't contain ourselves. We were being explosive. Now, for the Phoenix Suns, here are the here are the cons. Here are the negative side. We've just realized. We've just exposed Devin Booker on a national level on that he cannot play defense. He cannot play defense on Michael Porter Jr. Not can play defense on Aaron Gordon. Cannot play defense on Jokic. Obviously, obviously, obviously. Here's the problem. He he can't play defense. Not man to man coverage. Not in free two. Not in two free. Not zones. Not anything. Right. He just struggled like from last series two. He just failed to convert in. Defensive stops, just breaking down the momentum of your player, just breaking down his dribble, making him pick it up and whatnot. That's not really his forte. He can't really play good defense. But Sarich, uh, Crowder, Frank the Tank, Frank Kaminsky, the can. That's where Aiden can. That's where Paul can. Everybody can play defense except for Cameron Payne and uh, Devin Booker. Booker did not look good defensively. Offensively, he did. Defensively, he did not. And he needs to tie. He needs to tie that in. He needs to reel it back in. He needs to fine tune that thing. Why? Because the Nuggets are not going to attack Devin Booker. If they were smart, they were going to attack um, Devin Booker, uh, Michael Malone, 
is not going to make that mistake again of not attacking, not being more aggressive. Giannis said he was going to be more, I'm sorry, Jokic said he was going to be more aggressive. Everyone on the team that they could, they had not to be playing soft anymore, but they're going to get that aggression back going, try to get that ruthless aggression going, be more physical without causing fouls, not getting the foul trolls. And another thing the Suns did wrong that I saw, leaving the whole team left guys open. Good thing is for the Nuggets, I mean, for the Suns, the Nuggets were not hitting their freeze. Their players were not hitting those freeze. Suns got lucky on about five to about ten shots of no play defense, and they missed them all. They missed them all. And it just looked back sometimes, like when you have a wide open guy, they would try to rush up there or they would just walk up there, and he'll miss it. He'll miss it. But the Suns have to tighten that up, have to. Reel back in their defense. Not all go to the middle or be spread out where there's a guy wide open. But you have to play better D. Because Jokic is going to be fiery hot coming this game. Because they don't want to go down 2-0 to the Suns. That will not look good coming into Denver. The, the game certainly, the series is not certainly not over when it's down 2-0. Uh, Kawhi's, Kawhi's Clippers have proven that. This past series against Dallas Mavericks, teams have done that before. You just don't want to have a situation where the momentum's on Phoenix side, even though you're going to Denver. Fans do play a part of that, and does help. They're not solely responsible for the win. I'm just saying they were a factor. But the Nugget, the, the Suns just need to, they just need to play better defense and turnovers. They had some key turnovers in there that caused them. Because the Nuggets have huge, huge wins there. Just getting fast break points, getting the ball, ripping it away. But yeah, those will be my only two things. Just playing better defense and lessening the turnovers. Fouls are always going to be on us. It seems like Crowder always has, on average, three to four fouls per game. It always seems like, on average, um, Devin Booker gets one or two. So is Paul DeAndre. Yeah, and um, also I like to see DeAndre get the ball more. Because when he gets the ball, he's pulling it up strong. He's going up strong. And I like to see that happen more often. Now, let me switch. Let me switch real quick to our Nuggets, to our opponents. I'm rooting for the Suns all the way, as I believe they're going to take the Nuggets out of five, as does everyone else. But, to break down the game for Nuggets... The Nuggets, as they put, they were too soft. They need to have more aggressiveness to them, more aggression. Saying, "Okay, you want to play that way? Okay." Jokic's like, "I'm being more aggressive. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do that." Jokic is going to go off for a huge game. He's gonna bring the fight to you. Even if he doesn't capitalize on every single shot, he's still gonna hit shots. He's still gonna battle his way into the pain primer. And he's he's not that type of big man that just goes all the way in. He's been battling DeAndre Aiden in the paint, but he also could be playing on a mismatch or Crowder um, around the arc. Drives that in a little bit or gets set up, stops, could take a set shot, could take a jump shot, could take whatever he wants. Because he just has that type of shot where he does not miss. Where he does not miss without it being fully contested or if he just can't simply make it. And that's what we saw in game one in the first half. One thing for Jokic is he has to have like a little more rest or not going all out in the first. As crazy as I may sound, he was gassed in the first quarter. His stamina and just overall conditioning just looked really bad out there. Just by the first quarter, he just wasn't really jumping high off the ground. He wasn't getting those good points that we saw. He wasn't being as aggressive, right? He wasn't being as attacking. His stamina really took wear and tear. It looked like he needed a break desperately. And it showed and it played a huge part in that game come second half. And something the Suns were able to take advantage of. And that's what the Suns need to do. They just need to keep working this big man, big man, big man. That's why if you keep giving DA the ball, and just keep working on Jokic. He's going to start wearing out. And um, DA got everything. He's got stamina and athleticism, 
where Jokic has athleticism, just not stamina that much when it comes into the second half, mid to late second half, and it can't really be uh, devastating for the Nuggets team as the Suns went on a four. I think it was like a forty-two to eleven run in the second half. They can't do that. They have to play tired defense. If you're gonna commit a foul, you gotta commit a foul. Like I'm not saying you have to take your opponent, but you just can't go up there, commit a weenie foul, and then let them get those and ones because they had eight and ones that game. So if you're gonna go up there, go up strong, try to take the ball away. Once that whistle goes, just don't let them convert to and ones because if you let them convert to and ones, that's what they're getting their free. That's what they're getting their free points at. They converted 17 of 20 free throws. 85% from the free throw line. That was huge. That was just all just having those weenie fouls, babyish fouls, not going up strong. If you're going to commit a foul, you got to commit a foul right away and not let them get those and ones. Because when you have eight and ones happening to your team, something is horrifically wrong. And I mean that in every way possible. Because if you're, if you're going to do it, you got to do it right. But you have to play defense the right way, too, or you're not fouling everyone. Because they had 17 fouls. The Suns only had 12. Now, they were pretty much consistent going into paint. They do have to go to the paint more. This is what, if you go to the paint more and it's all on Jokic, then Jokic can just drive, stop, do a pump fake, kick it back out, take a few seconds, get a breather. Pump it back out to like Aaron Gordon hit the free. Or Michael Porter Jr. to come down the lane or hit a free. Or take a good looking shot. Because let's say Jokic drives down the lane. And there's a guy in the middle. But then one guy collapses in. Let's just say that's Crowder. Crowder and DA. Or Crowder uh, or Ann and Booker. They come in. You see Michael Porter Jr. Even though he's having those back issues from game one. He can still get up a good release, a good release of a shot. If he's open or slightly contested, that's what you have to do. That's what he's got to do. You just got to drive in, make defense collapse, kick it out to a guy, and you just got to get that ball movement faster because the Suns will be able to get back to your guy because they have speed. But, yeah, Jokic is a great defender. I mean, great offensive and defender. He just got to keep up that. He's a great overall player. He just got to have better stamina. He's got to take some uh, shots here. He got to take some hits. Not I mean it has to be full out, but he has to go up strong. Because a lot of them, he was not going strong. It was like, uh, okay, um, what you doing, big guy? You, you missed a layup. You could have gone stronger. And you get, and the Nuggets have to finish their, they have to follow through with their shots. Follow through with your shots is going to be key. Following through with any of your shots is key because it helps. Aaron Gore messed up a few times. Uh... Paul Millsap missed a few times on that. Even Jokic. You just got to fall through because even if it doesn't go in, it's just a lot of these guys just having the quick release, putting it down, and not even converting. You're not Stephen Curry. You're not LeBron. We're able to do that. Flick it. Make it. Go back. It's just it's different now. But even the greats, they were falling through the shots. Even the Suns were having a problem with that. But I saw it with the... Uh, wait, who you come? Oh, yeah, the Nuggets a lot. But if I'm the Suns and if I'm the Nuggets, but we both know, but we both know both teams are thinking about how can we be different? How can we attack better? How can we protect better? It's all right there. These two teams will not run the same plays as they did last game in a row consistently. The show, oh, we're just going to go with this. No, they're going to attack differently. They're going to maneuver differently. Bring in different guys, maybe switch up some of the guys that are going in now. Give different minutes. Try to see what works through film and whatnot. And what you believe will be good in game two. But this is critical for both teams. Critical for the Suns because you never know what can happen in each game. Chris Paul's shoulder is looking um, good. It's looking better. It's not going to be 100%. One bump, one hit could take him out for a game. And if we saw it in the Lakers... Serious, that took it out. That took him out. But, yeah. All in all, this is going to be a fun game to watch. An interesting one. Because we can either have Phoenix go up 2 nothing, Or Nuggets go 1-1. Top the series apiece. 
That's where it's going to come down. That's what I'm feeling. That's what I got. I can keep going on and on about Phoenix and the Nuggets, but I believe this is it. It would have been fun to see Jamal Murray against Devin Booker, but you know what? This right now, it's going to be fun seeing Jokic against the uh, DeAndre Ng. It's fun seeing center going up against center. To, um, not rarely do you see anymore in the NBA, but it's cool seeing this matchup. And this May, you never know how, how the next this game through game two through game four goes. We could be seeing tons of thrilling games that would have everyone from Denver to Phoenix just exploding while you're at the arena or watching it at home. I'll be exploding. It's going to be really fun. So yeah, that goes on 6.30 p.m. today. Let me fact check that. Yeah, 6.30 p.m. today. Uh, next game will be Friday, June 11th. Game free at Nuggets um, for home advantage for them at 7 p.m. Then, of course, Sunday goes at 5 p.m. Then we go back to Phoenix for June 15th. And that's all time to be determined. And, yeah. Um... Just to roll this out, I don't think it's going to be a sweep. I think this is going to be a best at Game 5 and Game 6. If this ends in a sweep, well, perfect for the Suns. If it goes to Game 5, uh, perfect for the Suns. If it goes to Game 6, at least the Nuggets tried, right? That's how it's always going to be reacting. But let me say this. If the Suns do win this round, the media, the national media, everyone's going to be like, the Suns, they beat out the NBA defending champs. The Lakers, now they beat out the Nuggets. They're going to the conference finals. Are they going to be something? Because if if the Suns went tonight, we'll only be 10 wins away from the NBA Finals. From the NBA Finals. And that's crazy. I don't think it's going to work out that way. But we just got to stay aggressive. Don't get ahead of ourselves. And yeah, I'll be good. Well... That's all I have today. We checked off everything I wanted to talk about. A lot was crammed into this hour and some odd minutes. We talked about everything from breaking news to the Bucks and their disaster of a head coach to Phoenix, Denver tonight. And my oh my, we're going to be back here again tomorrow at 8 a.m. And boom, we'll be covering it all. See, uh, see you guys for listening. And we'll be here same time, same place. See you guys later.